0: Hello and welcome to Health Law Expressions podcast entitled the Kickback Chronicles. My name is Henry Cassell and with me is
1: Halem Zoffer.
0: and we are going to talk about a very recent case in which we find that there are a number of lessons to be learned from this case and we want to begin by re-examining what the Medicare anti-kickback statute is because we're going to talk about how it was implicated in the facts of this particular case. Now the anti Kickback statute's been with us since 1972. It involves a, uh, it applies to anyone. It requires a knowing and willful intent requirement. And what is required is there must be a solicitation, receipt, offer, or payment of remuneration in cash or in kind, direct or indirect in return for the referral business that is paid for in whole or in part by a federal health care program which is a term of art which applies primarily to the Medicare and Medicaid programs but includes some other uh, federal programs now the important thing about this statute is how broad it is and how the government enforces it again it applies to anyone so you don't have to be the person who bills for the service. If the uh, government can prove that you induced a referral of business that's paid for in whole or in part through a kickback arrangement, the government can and will prosecute. And this week, the case that Hila uh, is going to describe in a lot more detail comes to us. And we have a lot of facts, primarily thanks to an affidavit of an FBI special agent that was attached to the criminal complaint. That affidavit is an excellent example of how the DOJ builds a case in this area. There was an individual who was referred to throughout the affidavit as Cooperating Witness 1 or CW1, who was previously involved in a scheme to Commit healthcare fraud to vi- and to violate the anti kickback statute. The government then went to Cooperating Witness One and said, you know what, we're interested in other arrangements in the lab field and we would be, uh, if you're willing to become a cooperating witness, we will cut you a deal and we won't send you to jail on the whatever gave rise to his violation of the anti-kickback statute. The affidavit doesn't go into that. But all we know is that cooperating witness one had a financial interest in a marketing call center and a lab that together arranged for conducted lab tests that were paid for by the Medicare program. And we also know that cooperating Witness 1 had some sort of arrangement with a Mr. Eric Santos and played a pivotal role in the facts that Halo will now describe.
1: So in a previous episode, we discussed a case where three owners of a few different orthotic brace companies were convicted for anti-kickback violations after receiving patient information from marketing firms in exchange for payment. So this week we focus on a somewhat similar scheme, but on the repercussions of those actions on groups like the marketing companies. So in this particular case, we focus on Eric Santos, who was the owner and operator of a marketing company that frequently conducted business with medical testing companies. His marketing company generated leads to testing companies so they could solicit businesses. And now, this type of business model isn't illegal, is it, Henry?
0: Not per se. the 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 mere fact that he had a marketing business, a marketing company, and that he had arrangements with other labs is is fairly common in the lab arena. I mean, the lab business is different, and it is different than the hospital and healthcare services that we typically see. But it is not unusual to have arrangements where uh, between these kinds of companies. What is unusual that there are requirements that are needed to be followed whenever you do any kind of testing. Genetic screening testing, for example, must be ordered by a physician, treating a beneficiary, and Medicare does not pay for preventive genetic tests, but they will cover tests when a patient exhibits symptoms, and it's to treat cancer and ordered by a physician. COVID-19 testing is similarly, uh, there are rules for when they cover it, when they don't. And there are also uh, another test that was involved in this arrangement is the rapid pathogen panel testing, which again, has certain requirements that must be adhered to in order for Medicare to pay for these tests. And so these tests were all involved in this scam, right Hela?
1: Yeah. So with this particular scam with Eric Santos, it occurs in one continuous thing, but it's kind of in two parts. So the first part of the story begins in 2019. So from September 2019 through March 2020, Santos agreed to engage in a scheme to provide medical genetic testing companies with qualified patient leads. And again, this part is not illegal, but the qualified patient leads were for tests for medically unnecessary genetic cancer screenings for Medicare beneficiaries. Basically, these tests examine genetic predisposition to cancer. So, what Santos was doing was finding people that didn't really need these tests and referring them to the genetic testing company could, so they could seek these individuals out. And in general, Medicare will reimburse healthcare providers around $7,700 for each qualifying genetic cancer screening. Um, in exchange for providing these companies with this information, Santos will get anywhere from $1,000 to $1,500 for each test that was completed. So to attempt to cover the scam, Santos had sham contracts with the genetic testing companies and he used sham invoices to make it appear that he he was being paid for legitimate services, things that we've seen in the past. This part of the scheme, the testing companies aimed to submit more than $1.1 million in fraudulent claims. But from all this, Santos only received kickbacks of a little over $30,000. And you might be thinking Santos really didn't get that much compared to the other cases we have discussed during the Kickback Chronicles. But I think this goes to show that it doesn't matter how much you get out of an illegal scheme. If you violate the anti-kickback statute, it doesn't matter if you walk away with 30000 or 3000000 million, you're on the line. And now this part of the scam does have a part, two. So you might have noticed that the first part, the genetic test sitting at the cusp of 2020. And as we all know what that means, COVID.
0: And I think it's also important to recognize that you're right, Haley. It's not the amount of money at issue that mm-hmm. gets the government involved. It's the facts. And all of this was arranged through Cooperating Witness 1. And anytime time the, the government uh, has an individual wear a wire, conduct interviews, do conduct business with an, another party, and they go to uh, these kinds of lengths to hide kickbacks, which evidence, the fact that they know they shouldn't be doing this, the government will be interested and then it's just a matter of how much of a case they can build. When COVID came around, again, we're going back to 2020, the beginning of 2020, just when we're all beginning to understand what COVID is and and they're about to shut down the country in March of 2020, people recognized that uh, at that point there wasn't real good COVID testing available. There was also uh, these RPP tests, the respiratory pathogen panel tests that were also paid for by Medicare. There are several different kinds of these tests. They test for bacteria, viruses, or both. And if you do, you can either do a partial test for bacteria, partial test for virus, or a complete test and the amount of the reimbursement increases depending upon the type of RPP test you you get. So what would happen with COVID testing is if you had a positive COVID test, then you knew that there was a virus. So then Medicare would pay for a partial RPP test, but they would pay less. They would reimburse in the $300 to $400 range. On the other hand, if there was a Negative COVID test, they could run a complete RPP, which had more reimbursement around 650 bucks per test. So the idea was to find as many negative COVID tests as possible, and uh, and at the same time, they're trying, they're talking to doctors and saying, you know, we don't know what this COVID is. We think you should ordered both tests and they incur and so they were encouraging doctors to order both tests but the doctors weren't in on the scheme what the doctors were getting out of this was that they were getting an expedited covid response and in order to do that according to the fbi affidavit santos arranged with cooperating witness one again that's how they refer to to him or in fact they even say him slash her to mask whether or not we're talking about a male or female and they would santos had gotten cooperating witness one to skip certain medicare required protocol in order to expedite the, the test so that they could provide they could tell doctors we're providing a much faster program or response than anyone else there Leaving out the fact that in order to do that they are violating Medicare rules, but so, Hala, why don't you tell us what this particular aspect of the kickback arrangement was?
1: Yeah, so in February 2020, it was pretty clear, even though there was a lot unknown about the pandemic, that the it was da- especially dangerous for people over 65. Um, so a also known as the ideal Medicare population, and which was already the bread and butter of this genetic testing scam. So as Henry said, uh, Santos and Cooperating Witness 1 worked together to put together this scheme. They wanted to extend it into COVID-19. So COVID tests aren't that expensive. Uh, Medicare will probably reimburse around $50 for those. So the idea was that Santos would receive a kickback for each COVID test he submitted, as long as it was bundled with the significantly more expensive RPP test. And our Medicare reimburses a couple hundred dollars for the RPP test. Um, so this part of the scheme sounds a little confusing, but like Henry said, they were looking for patients that specifically they didn't think would test positive for COVID or they think didn't have COVID so that the test would automatically be sent for the RPP test. And for each of those, uh, Santos would get about $250 per test bundle. And again, we come back to that. People really do get themselves caught just by doing what they do. So as Henry said, the whole time Santos had this scheme going on, cooperating witness was there, recording conversations, turning documents over to the FBI. And the FBI have Santos on record saying, we're trying to have more of the asymptomatic patients going through to get tested. And things like, uh, while there are people going through what they're going through, you can either go bankrupt or you can prosper. Uh, And Santos even noted that his genetic testing scam was on hold because everybody was chasing that COVID dollar bird. So the pandemic really took off at the beginning of March 2020, but Santos was arrested for his kickback scheme before the month was over. So this second part of the scheme never really got to take off exponentially.
0: Yeah, I mean, but okay. so you had the government had him dead to rights on the genetic testing scheme for about thirty thousand dollars. But whenever you add that to someone on tape trying to make money off of a pandemic, these facts were too good for the government to bypass. Yeah. So they indicted him for violating the Medicare and kickback statute as well as the fraud laws. And so what what happened next, Taylor?
1: So in June, Santos pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to violate the federal anti-kickback statute, and then another count of conspiracy to commit health care fraud. Um, and conspiracy to commit health fraud carries a maximum penalty of 10 years in prison. And then conspiracy to violate the anti-kickback statute carries a five-year penalty. And then both offenses are punishable by a fine of up to $250,000 or twice the gross gain that he would have gotten from each offense.
0: Now, this guy pled guilty. So he never got to the issue of uh, whether or not the government could prove their case before a jury. But I think that when you consider the reams of tape uh, that they had uh, him arranging these things where he specifically revised um, an agreement so that it would describe him being paid for services rendered when it was really per kickback that he arranged. They used, a, uh, actually, they even used an agreement that was provided by the FBI. All of that would really not help you if you decided to go to court and in fact would only increase the amount of time that you that he would probably end up with but we do want to point out that on June 27 2022 there was a United States Supreme Court opinion called Ruan, Ruan versus US in which the Supreme Court in a case involving two doctors who were convicted of prescribing narcotics inappropriately under a statute with a similar willful and uh, intention requirement sent the case back. They didn't reverse it, but they sent it back that if there's a knowing or intentional aspect to a federal criminal statute, they issued a standard that the defendant uh, once the defendant produces evidence that he or she was authorized to do a certain act, which in the case of Ruon, was to dispense a controlled substance under the anti-kickback statute was to provide a service, the government then must prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant knew that they were acting in an unauthorized manner or intended to do so. So the Ruon case is going to make convictions, obtaining convictions under a statute like the anti-kickback statute much more difficult in the future because of the way the Supreme Court has defined the knowing or willful standard in federal criminal law. However, that would not have helped Mr. Santos uh, when you have evidence and provided by cooperating witness one, number one, you have a pretty airtight case, and uh, so you don't have so that the the Ruan case would not help helped Mr. Santos. The only thing that would have helped Mr. Santos would have been to follow the law and not pay kickbacks in order to obtain business that's paid for in whole or in part by Medicare, and if. They were trying to avoid the federal criminal law by paying kickbacks to obtain business that's paid for by commercial insurers or self pay individuals. There are state and other federal laws that would address that as well. So, crime doesn't pay. So, if you would like more information on the anti kickback statute, the federal fraud and abuse laws, and the more recent laws like the No Surprises Act, we would really like you to join Dan Mahalan, Mary Paterney, and myself in Las Vegas from November 17th to 19th of 2022 uh, for our physician contract seminar. And if you miss that one, we will usually do that every year thereafter, but there's a lot to learn in this area and we hope you join us for that seminar. Thank you, Hela.
1: Thanks, Henry.